0: Oh, it's tremendously important. It has been for uh, many a long year. I've I've been attending since the late '90s, um, and throughout that period, it's been a vital part of my uh, film cultural uh, experience and and the the broader cultural landscape here in Melbourne, uh, a city which is never wanting for film festivals yep. or for uh, cultural activity, um, perhaps with the exception of that grim period of a couple of years back, um, which doesn't require much elaboration, I'm sure. <laughs> that was uh, not as festive as things are once more now and will yes. definitely be come November when the uh, the 33rd edition of the MQFF um is staged and the first under my stewardship
1: yes and and your relationship to the community of film festivals as well how has that developed over the years and coming to now as program director
0: Ah, oh, that's that's um a long um story with many chapters and <laughs> and tangents and digressions um i've I've actually had a, a history with queer film that goes back just over twenty years queer film Festival I was on a selection panel in about i think two thousand and two. And at intervals thereafter, I've uh, had varying sorts of engagements with this particular festival, let alone others, um, whether I've reported on it for media, like uh, the online film journal Senses of Cinema or Queer Street Press, mm. or uh, I've participated in panels, panel discussions uh, at the festival. But I've also worked with queer film festivals overseas, uh, a particular favourite being Mizi Patro in the Czech Republic, in mm. Prague. Um, where I've, I've been involved a few times and been on a jury there and run Q&As and had the privilege of running one of those with Todd Haynes. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful festival to have over there. Mm. Sadly, it's at a similar time to us here now, so I can't have my can't cake and eat it and, <laughs> and do both. Um, and and in terms of other queer film activity, I was one of the co-founders of TILDA here, which is a, nice. Melbourne's trans and gender-diverse film festival. Which will be resurgent in the new year, I'm very happy to say, having just participated in a custodianship group mm. uh, activity, uh, that that activity was to appoint a board who will in turn appoint staff, and that festival will resume in the new year at some point, which is yeah. wonderful.
1: And And with those various involvements and responsibilities you've had throughout the years, um, do you find or, or how do you find those experiences will influence your new role as program director? At MQFF.
0: Well, th- those will all all uh, help me remain community-minded. I'm yep. talking about a particular community here, which has any number of communities nested within it and ever-expanding and evolving. Mm. Um, but I'm very used to programming film in other contexts as well. So I've been a co-curator of the Melbourne Cinematheque yes. uh, for many years now too, uh, which uh, runs Wednesday nights at ACME which is, of course, M- one of MQFF's key venues. Mm. And I've programmed for many years, too, for the Czech and Slovak Film Festival of Australia, which I was a co-founder of and artistic director of for five years. So I've, I've got that um, racked up quite a bit of experience in the sorts of juggling you have to do when piecing together all of the parts of a festival, mm. um, especially... Uh, it can be a very challenging undertaking because you don't know what all the parts are at the outset. Yep. You might have some broad ideas about themes um, and uh, there might be things going on in the, the world around you locally or, or more broadly that need addressing and need being programmed to but at this point in time, just to, I've, I've had four days in the role as we speak now, <laughs> um, I'm still just learning the internal landscape of the festival. Yep. I already have some ideas about what I want this year's festival to be like and feel like. But uh, in terms of the film content, especially new films, I'm not all over that yet. I've got a lot of viewing to do, which mm-hmm. I'm, of course, relishing the prospect of doing. Yeah. But I'm also very keen to apply a historical lens to this year's festival, and I've got some ideas have long been percolating. Yes, in that regard.
1: That's good. And and for anyone who's tuning in or or doesn't really know, stupid but necessary question, what would your responsibilities be as program director and what do you see happening? Um what do you oversee happening in the role?
0: Yeah. Well, the the most um obvious uh role responsibility is the film program. Yep. What's on the screens and when and um So securing all of those films, not just finding them and and selecting them, but there's behind-the-scenes negotiations that have Mm -hmm. to occur in order to land them. Uh, But then there's all the ancillary um, offers that can be just as important and and really enrich the the big screen offerings, and that's panels and workshops and prizes and parties. Um, For me, what makes a film festival is not just the film, but very much the festivity as well. And it needs to be um, an event that where, any festival needs to be an event where those who attend have an experience which is much greater than the sum of simply having seen a film. Uh, They need to see a film in company, and maybe it's company they know, maybe it's company they don't. It's an opportunity to Mm. meet others, to debrief after a film, to unpack it in, in company, Perhaps have a beverage or two, some food, um, attend yeah. you
1: know, a tender party, have some fun. I mean, that's something that I've always cherished in, is the sense of community which film festivals and the Queer Film Festival has fostered. And um, last year was the first time I attended and it was fantastic with my friends. Um, how do you plan to elevate those experiences that you're talking about outside of the screenings um, now that you are in a important role in the festival?
0: Well, um, yeah, I mean, this is a key question, how, how to elevate the experience and uh, something that the, the festival hasn't had so much of for the, I'm not quite sure just how long I'd be able to state this because we, we lost a couple of years mm. with lockdown times, really, but a, a real sense of a hub, yep. so somewhere where there's a, a place to go at any time during the festival mm. where you can run into friends or strangers <laughs> and make new friends. Somewhere where you can always feel that you are amongst a community, that you uh, needn't feel isolated. Because certainly there'll be people coming to the festival this November who are treading tentatively into this community. There are people, perhaps they're questioning their identity and want to just sort of, you know... Wade in. (laughs) Yeah, just make those first little tentative steps and and, and get a sense that, yes, it is actually for them. In fact, it's a very welcoming space. Mm. That's that's a, a key... Uh, Key to it all is to make anyone actually feel welcome. Uh, And when I say anyone, I I don't mean neo-Nazis or others who are presently doing their utmost to uh, propagate fear and and nonsense uh, around um, the queer community. They're not welcome. But most anybody else will be. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, and um, you spoke of themes as well earlier. Uh, last year, the program saw sort a of focus on Brazil and the films of Brazil, such as Private Desert and Follow the Protocol, for example. Coming into the 2020 program, are there any specific communities or voices which you'd like to spotlight for the film community in Melbourne as well?
0: Well, I want to do justice to the, the great breadth of the community. Yes. Um, that's key, um, but... Right now I feel there is actually an existential need to address what is going on yep. um, hereabouts presently. And so a key part of the messaging and the programming I'm putting together, even though this is early days, I know that this is something I will follow through on, mm. is to ensure that uh, I can put together a program where from the very birth of the moving image to the the current day, um, that it shows that we've always been here. Yeah. That there is representation across all of those eras. That we have this real historical perspective, and that it speaks to as wide an array of uh, cultural uh, perspectives as possible. Because queer people have been here since day one. Yes. Um, <laughs> and. Um I mean we didn't have the moving image back when we all emor- um, emerged from the primordial soup but we had it since you know, the 1890s. Yep. And I just mean to put together a program where which speaks to that, uh speaks to that truth. Um and its undeniability and its wonder and fabulousness and complexity
1: and nuance and its eternity. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. And um that historical lens with the festival as well. Um, how do you feel that queer cinema has developed recently over the years and, and what changes have you experienced working in the industry as well?
0: Um, well,
1: there's much greater access to filmmaking tools in the digital
0: era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's quite possible for people to make films on a micro-budget uh, with a degree of accomplishment. Yeah. Um, Hell, you can even make a, a perfectly watchable and occasionally extraordinary feature film just with a, a, a smartphone, um, as is now well proven. Um, so there, there's it, it's become a much more democratic art form in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it does mean there's more work to be done because there are more submissions going to come in. Yep. But a lot of people who previously did not have the means of production now have it, and that has enabled a lot of voices who hitherto had been little heard, mm. and it's also enabled some people who's um, who's you know, it's still b- going to be brave filmmaking, but some people who are uh, experiencing quite um, difficult lives to be able to speak some truth to that through filming, uh, whether a narrative or. or documentary terms something of their lived experience and communicating it with the world so mm. so people all around the world various pockets of that world are um as well we know queer people are not always uh, enjoying the liberties of the um other folk so for those folks to have the means to share their stories um is the biggest shift in let's say the last uh five to ten years, mm-hmm. where the, you know, the digital revolution has been tremendously enabling. Um, and and that, that just has increased the diversity in storytelling and increased the diversity in places of origin that these yeah. stories come from and the, the cultures that get to speak, um, get to have their voice heard at a, a festival like MQFF. Yeah.
1: And those films that you said are on a micro budget are definitely something that I'm attracted to as as a filmmaker and, and just cinephile and it is good when I see them showcased in festivals so I would really love to go and watch them and definitely ones that I am a- attracted to more so because you feel a sense of connection to them because you know it's something that you could definitely make yourself. Um, how What queer films and films have you seen definitely along that have shaped your philosophies and and yourself as a critic oh Ender. gosh there are
0: there are a lot but i was um reminded uh in, in programming a, a particular musicals program at the end of last year for the melbourne Cinematheque. i ran a double bill of hedwig and the angry inch um which is a, a queer musical i adore yep. um doubled with a, a film that isn't mentioned anywhere near as often um but it is surely a precursor to it, a film by a German filmmaker, Rosa von Praunheim, uh, called City of Lost Souls from uh, early 1980s, which is also a musical um, and a lot more punkish in its aesthetic and a lot more, uh, uh, a lot rougher and rawer, but has just such an incredible energy and is incredibly ahead of its time, uh, in terms of its uh, identity politics and mm. its understanding of intersectionality and mm. all manner of, um, conversations, uh, in that film that are now the stuff of our everyday discourse yep. here. And, um, so that, that, that double is, um, you know, where Dove deep into those films again when programming them, and, and wrote a piece on each of them for Senses of Cinema to accompany the screenings. Because mm. that's something I, I love is that sort of um, uh, extra, extra offering the, the the material that helps enrich the experience. Whether whether it's an essay or it's it could be an art exhibition, it could be a, a music in the foyer afterwards that speaks to the experience you just yeah. had in a big screen. Just anything that. Elevates that uh, big screen experience, and um, and yeah, so I, I tremendously enjoyed putting that particular double bill together, mm. um, and and mean to do more things uh, along those lines for MQFF. Yeah,
1: it is quite a lot of fun when you see older films be brought back as cult classics to screen. Like last year, they screened, um, but I'm a cheerleader mm-hmm. at the Pride Centre up on the roof as, mm-hmm. as kind of cult classics. And that was a lot of fun to, to go to and experience with other people who've been moved by those films and they shape, they've shape they been shaped by them and then other people can view them for the first time and also be influenced by them.
0: Well, I think it's really important that people get acquainted with uh, the historical uh, representations too. Some might, to some extent, uh, be... I, I'm so hesitant to use the word problematic, but... Might speak to a different time, mm. but we need to know that history. Yep. Um, I am always frustrated by people who seek to uh, erase, um, you know, even with the best of intentions, erase uh, past representations once they've become, with you know, th- through a today's lens, become somehow problematic. Mm. You know, there there might be some exceptions which are a bit beyond the pale, but generally, um, I think it's usually important that we. We offer that, because otherwise we disappear, and we can't have that. (laughs) We've always been here, and that's a a message that to me seems uh, incredibly important to stress Mm. right now when when there are um, forces out there actively trying to propagate myths around, let's say, ideas like gender uh, diversity being some sort of new phenomenon. Yes. You know, it's just rubbish. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So,
1: yeah. that sort of thing really drives me exactly yeah lovely and um in your own words how do you believe that the medium of film has become important as an influence and induce change in the queer community um, recently or in the past or as well well queer film festivals have
0: been a a, a major meeting place for queer community for a long time um, and the the we you know, it's only relatively recently that people might have found greater access to queer content um, mm. that they can access from home, but that is uh, uh, comes a poor second for mine um, to the experience of engaging with big screen representation of yep. our lives and imaginings of our lives and um, um, and and experiencing that with others and, and feeling that sense of community. Um, so I, I think the film festival is uh, in, in, in queer community. I mean, there, there are only ever so many queer events that mm. will bring in thousands of people yep. um, each year. There, there might be any number of one-off events and there are nights and there are so on. But in terms of a, a really concentrated uh, bringing together of often actually quite disparate communities within the the mm-hmm. greater community there's i don't I don't know that there's really much out there that can can beat the queer yeah. film festival experience and um i've relished any time i've had the opportunity to attend one here or elsewhere mm. um it's it just feels really really special and um you know, it's a wonderful way to to feel seen in person and and on screen
1: yeah definitely and i mean even though it was my first year last year, I know that I'll be attending every year until I cannot. Um, but it was fantastic. I, I cannot wait to see what you do in the future and in the coming months. But um, we started with a simple question. We'll finish with a very simple one. <laughs> um, what is your relationship to the queer community?
0: My relationship to it? Well, I think we're on good terms. Um, <laughs> I've been a part of it for a long time. Uh, as an out, trans, non-binary woman... Um, Oh, gosh, look, I mean, I've, I've played um, music in queer bands for many years as well, so uh, uh, another string to my bow is that I'm a, a musician and been involved with, like in recent times, uh, a stage show called The Legend of Queen Kong, which uh, is a, a peopled entirely by a, a band of queer and gender diverse performers, and that's played at various festivals around the country, um, been involved with other performances that uh, so go back to midsummer festivals in the... Was it the late noughties, I suppose? Um, I've always been in the thick of it. Um, as someone who is conspicuously queer, it's, uh, um, it's, well, it's, it's something I, I wouldn't be able to, to dodge even if I wanted to, and I definitely don't want to. So, yeah. I, I think we're on pretty good terms, yeah. me, me and my, my queer uh, fellow travellers.